Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Keith Wee Cleveland. And I'm your host, Mattel Snyder. Hope you're doing well out there, folks. This week was very, very busy in the world of nerd news, especially in the last couple of days. We're going to spend a lot more time diving into recent events, but don't worry, our lightning round will surely get into what happened the rest of the week. So, let's start off this week right by using our platform to share things that are just bright and good in the world, because we always need more of that in our lives, right? If you're one of our listeners, there's a good chance you've already saw this make the rounds. But late this week, Cartoon Network released a nearly two-minute video that shows Pearl from Steven Universe straight up school folk on systemic racism and how black people are often erased from history books. The video starts with Pearl asking a class of students who, who invented the light bulb, only for them to yell out Thomas Edison in that sing-songy voice kids use in unison. Pearl then goes on to point out how the light bulb was only able to be invented because a black man named Louis Latimer invented the filament that goes inside of light bulbs first, but it's never talked about. Among the many bombs she dropped during her speech about neglected black inventors, cowboys, knights, Romans, and more. My favorite part is when she challenges us to ask ourselves who's telling our stories and what their aims are by doing so. Are they just trying to make white people comfortable, or are they actually saying what really happened to their knowledge? Pearl was definitely the perfect character to deliver this, in my opinion, and I'm very happy that we're still getting more Steven Universe content, especially that serves such a good purpose and can be shared so widely. Did you get a chance to check this out yet, Mikkel? I did. I did. It was posted in a couple of the discords that I'm in, and it's it's just good, wholesome content. And it's also just a reminder that Cartoon Network continues to be on point when it comes to like educating people and like being ahead of a lot of social causes. Because um, earlier this year, right, uh, Toonami released a video of Tom saying, like, Black Lives Matter with, like, no pretext, no condition, and was just Tom saying that and just, like, this is what we believe in and this is what we want to pioneer and go forward. So you got to respect the, the network and showing that, like, animation is this forward-thinking medium that's trying to use its platform for good. And again, also love Steven Universe, also happy to see it get more content, even if it is this uh, PSA type stuff. And this actually isn't the first time we've had a channel that primarily gives content to children take a stance like this. I remember that back in June of this year, Viacom CVS actually had Nickelodeon do something similar when it came to the George Floyd protests. And I think they did something where they had eight minutes and 46 seconds of silence that's on the channel, which if you work in television at all, you know that every second counts and can literally cost you millions if not thousands of dollars. And them choosing to do so was pretty nice and commendable. Now, of course, they got a mixed response to that because people are messy and everything. And there's always some arbitrary skepticism, right? Which is like, oh, they've just done some calculations where this messaging will help them get like subscribers or audience members or whatnot, right? But at the same time, there is like an earnest effort to sort of like, this is also the right thing to do. And regardless of whether or not it's within this horrible capitalist framework that we will decry every week on this weekend or news until the end of time, it's still important to like get that messaging out. And specifically to your point, get that messaging out to kids who are very much influenced by the media that they consume and watch. Um, like, I remember growing up watching Saturday morning cartoons, and I very specifically remember, like, 
episodes of like Static Shock discussing racism in the household, discussing like violence in communities and like how we progress past that, how we do better. And those are like crystallized moments that I internalized and like kept dear to me going forward. So having a new batch of that for a new audience, never a bad thing. Oh yeah, that episode of Static Shock where like Virgil found out that Richie's dad was racist. Like that shook me to my core as a kid. Hello racist. And actually, that helped me because once I got to high school, I had a handful of friends whose dads were just like Richie's ass. I'm like, oh, I've seen this before. I know what's happening now. So, like, I definitely think that it's good to like, use these mediums to help educate people and stuff like that. It may not always work out as well as it does in cartoons, but it still gives you hope that things are going to work out for the better one day. So with that positive energy out of the way, I just wanted to, to pivot over to a topic that you and I have much familiarity talking with because somehow the universe loves co-aligning our schedules with the news outlet schedule. Sort of like, let's talk about DC and Marvel Comics. And just like, okay, I guess this is happening again. And surprise, it's happening again. There's more comics media adaptation news. So from the DC side of things, uh, Deadline reported that Ava DuVernay is helming the live-action adaptation of Naomi for VCW. This it comes after an announcement from a very, very long time ago that DuVernay was also help, heading up the live-action adaptation of DC's New Gods, which we haven't heard anything about since it was announced, but I'm sure it's still happening, right? But focusing on Naomi, she is an original character co-written by Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker and illustrated by Jamal Campbell. And she is a black girl who starts investigating mysterious disturbances around her hometown before she gets complicated in the greater DC multiverse. And the first season of the comic was well received by both critics and general audiences. She's a cool character. We have some coverage on the site. You should check that out. So that's exciting news, right? Like black teen superhero on the CW. Like great, good, keep going with that. And then conversely on Marvel side of things, right? We had Haley Steinfeld has been rumored to be playing Kate Bishop in Disney Plus's Hawkeye series alongside Jeremy Renner for like ages. This has been going around for years since the series was announced originally. And we still don't have official, official confirmation of this, right? But we do have a lot of photos from what appears to be, uh, like, images taken from set where she is holding a bow and chasing after Jeremy Renner in, like, various set pieces. So these are, like, less rumors and more actual things that are just happening and we're just waiting for the letterhead that says this. So uh, Steinfeld isn't a stranger to the superhero game having voice Gwen Stacy and in Into the Spider-Verse, but it is exciting to see a fellow mixed kid doing well in the industry and taking over the role of Kate Bishop in the series. That's why I'm excited for Hawkeye, is Kate Bishop. I am not excited for Jeremy Renner as, as Clint Burton, but like that, that is the thing that is there. We will, we will negotiate that when the time comes. But yeah, for our, our second segment, just wanted to highlight two prominent teen superheroes. One's a legacy character, one's completely original, but both are hopefully a sign of continual good things to come because today, like every other gosh darn day, representation matters and we love to see it happen. Everyone who's a fan of Hawkeye, remotely aware of the Hawkeye character and story, has been waiting for Kate Bishop to pop up because 
Jeremy Renner has openly been the like joke of the Avengers saga since he first showed up and not when he first showed up in Thor, but when the Avengers happened, he was clearly in far over his head. They even wrote into the script to acknowledge that, yeah, I'm just a guy that shoots arrows. I'm over here fighting with basically gods all the time. So now that we get to like pivot, I think this series is going to be a good opportunity to like transition the old out into the new and just have Kate Bishop in his next run of Avenger movies and just be amazing because what everybody wants. Um, very excited to see that it's already happening because it's time for him to go live on a farm with his family and be happy and stuff instead of doing problematic things like killing people of color all over the world. But that's another point we'll talk about later, right? But yes, all good things happening here in both the DC and Marvel camps. I just also wanted to add a little bit on um, about Naomi, right? Because Naomi was actually bought of Wonder Comics, which was the title line that Bendis started when he joined DC Comics. So uh, Naomi was one of four titles that was sort of announced with that slate. And I can't believe this, but like this was like two Comic Cons ago, like when he announced all of this. But it consisted of Young Justice, Naomi, Dial H for Hero, and the Wonder Twins, and that was season one of Wonder Comics essentially. So this was a bunch of titles that Bendis basically spearheaded, and it was this nice little imprint. And there's a season two of of this uh, imprint as well that features Amethyst, which was a six issue run that happened at the very start of this year, like in February. And then there was a uh, Ginny Hex special that's coming out at the end of the year. And then the second volume of Naomi is coming out sometime in the vague and nebulous future. <laughs> and in any case, um, yeah, Kate Bishop is one of those characters that I'm always fascinated by because Mac Fraction's run on Hawkeye was just incredibly legendary. And it's just one of those like, like segment points where you just sort of like you go in and sort of like oh this is what makes the character great so i'm excited to see that if if only because i like it when mac fraction does cool things and gets recognized for it so yeah uh just some cool dc marvel news to to show up what was a very busy week but not as busy as what happened on the the day the day that everything changed the fire nation attack no no, no, I'll, I'll let you take over. All right, so before we dive into that, we'll take a quick break and be right back. Every war has its memorable turning points. The American Civil War had the Gettysburg Address, World War II had Stormy Normandy Beach, and Avatar had the Day the Fire Nation attack. And the streaming wars very likely just had one of its own. On one front, there are unconfirmed whispers that Disney Plus and Hulu may be merging in the near future. On one hand, it's simple math. Hulu has more than 70 million subscribers, and Disney Plus has more than 30 million subscribers. Combining them gets them over that coveted $100 million, $100 million threshold. On the other hand, there have been layoffs in Hulu's front office in the past few months, as there have been some redundancies, given that both it and Disney Plus are owned by Walt Disney overall. But, in even bigger news, and this is the biggest part of this segment, Warner Brothers slash HBO Max just put down the big joker and is daring anyone else to try and do anything about it. With movie theaters struggling to stay open and patrons not anticipating returning to them until late 2021, Warner Brothers announced this week that their entire slate of 2021 films, 17 in total, will be released on HBO Max with no extra charge. Again, I'll repeat that, with no extra charge. 
Films like The Matrix 4, Suicide Squad sequel, In the Heights, Dune, Space Jam 2, and many more will be subject to same-day releases both in theaters around the world and on the streaming service. As of now, it's been said that the films will only be available on HBO Max for the first 30 days before only being available in theaters before they inevitably come right back to HBO Max later on. Chances are, this is far from a short-term change. It may forever change how we view movies, as a matter of fact. And AMC is pissed about this. In a statement to Deadline, AMC chief Adam Aaron said, quote, Clearly, Warner Media intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of the profitability of its movie studio division and that of its production partners and filmmakers to subsidize its HBO Max startup. As for AMC, we will do all in our power to ensure that Warner does not do so at our expense. We will aggressively pursue economic terms that preserve our business. Whew! Talk about a bombshell. We saw signs of this months ago when Universal and AMC got into a very big stalemate of their own, but now that Warner Bros. has officially thrown their first punch, we'll see what other studios follow suit and how theaters will respond. Mikhail, this is huge. What do you think is going to happen? So we're, we're going we're gonna to work away from the top down, as, as you did before, as I shall do now, right. as is tradition. <laughs> as is tradition. Um, I'm going to just fact check your math here just just a little bit, right? Because I'm almost positive that like the Venn diagram of like Hulu subscribers and Disney Plus subscribers probably has a substantial overlap there. So I don't think it's just going to suddenly add up to the 100 million uh, subscriber thing. Um, I know this because I have both and I know I'm not the only one who has both. Same actually. In any case, a Disney Plus Hulu merger would not be, like, the worst thing in the world, like, hypothetically, right? Um, And I say this, like, hypothetically, because, like, I don't... If they're owned by the same company, at some point it makes sense to have them on the same platform. Like, just, like, in the abstract theory of, of, like, how ownership of companies works, right? Although that being said, like Sony now owns Funimation and Crunchyroll indirectly, and those are still separate platforms, both with atrocious media players. So like, who knows if they will ever get coalesced? So I don't know what to do with that. If Disney consolidates things, like I can't blame them. I also know that they could very easily just jack up the prices, because <laughs> um, that's what comes. The mouse is going to own the world by like 2040. It's going to be the it's going to be Disney, formerly known as Earth, presented by Mickey Mouse. And that that's how we will be like sending our messages to like alien civilizations. So it's like greetings from Disneyland. <laughs> and Amazon will own the moon. If not, they'll own the moon. And then it will have Mickey Mouse ear bubble anyways. So like that's a rumor, right? That is, that's just a heavy rumor that, that floated around. And that's just, that's just ominous signs to come. Talking about like the actual thing that is happening right now, for sure. If we started, like, we've been podcasting for almost a year now, right? Like we started roughly, roughly like October, 2019, give or take some, some weeks, some days. And, and if you were to tell, tell me, tell past me, sort of like, yeah, uh, Warner Brothers is just going to like cut off the, the theater industry and just sort of like funnel things into the new streaming platform. So it's like, that sounds wrong on like a wide variety of levels, right? But past me did not have the context of everything that has happened in 2020 and like starting with 
an active pandemic that has lasted so much longer and continues to last so much longer than anyone anyone really could have hoped for or wanted or what the hell are we doing still anyways it's wild it's wild seeing industries like making decisions that are irrevocably going to change how things get approached going forward because of the sh short term in in airports circumstances that we're in right because like i don't think this would have happened if people could still go to theaters right like i think this is very much a response of sort of like we're losing money because people cannot go to theaters we cannot get the big ticket numbers that we want but we still need to recoup cut the costs made on this movie like when they announced that wonder woman was getting released on hbo max on christmas day so it's like this makes sense to me because no one wants to go to a theater and risk getting sick right now and then when they announced but like for like 2021 we're gonna do that so it's like that still makes sense to me on a like this is a fiscally responsible thing to do, and it sucks for the theater industry, but also as someone who still actively does not want to get sick, I welcome this type of thing. Just like, don't make me go to a theater right now. Don't make me go to a theater ever. And, like, the framing of this is, is fascinating, right? Because it's going to be like, HBO Max has a history of like adding things and then taking them away immediately and then adding them back in like we saw that like in its like first week where it was like shuffling things in and out and now it sounds like this is what they're doing with the movie so it's like Matrix 4 for 30 days and it's gonna be gone for six months and then it'll be back and she's like this seems weird but sure like most people watch a movie in theaters during the first couple weeks so it just I don't see how theaters are gonna are gonna make it out of this, but I, I know what HBO Max is doing and conceptually it makes sense even though it is sad and like an industry is 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 irrevocably changing and there's nothing we can do about it but watch. <laughs> I'm imagining a future where we have half, if not less, of the movie theaters that we do have now. Only because, like you said, Movies make a majority of their money in those first two weekends that they're in theaters, in most cases. If I could just do that from my house for not an extra charge at all, why? what incentive do I have to go to a movie theater and be forced to pay extra money for everything to enjoy that experience? Now, don't get me wrong. I definitely enjoy like the experience of going to a movie theater when I'm not going to get sick, probably, for doing so. With a giant screen and surround sound and all that stuff. But you gotta think, that requires me to leave my house and either Uber or drive somewhere. And because I live in Chicago, most theaters in the city I have to pay to park at. And then, either I have to like break the rules and bring in my own snacks, or pay like 150% surcharge on what I get there and then deal with other people that are in the movie theater who may or may not be a part of a good audience and then do all that and go back home, right? What That costs so much money where like the only reason why I would even be doing that is if I'm doing it with other people who I know who care about who want to do so. So like I don't know how they're going to make it out of this ultimately. Like they're going to find some way to evolve and adapt, I'm sure. Like maybe they just become art house film theaters essentially where they just like show older films that we want to get that experience like where it may become a point where viewing a movie theater viewing a movie in a movie theater might become the optional choice for something like Tenet where you're like I'm going to watch it at home but I'm going to choose to go see this in theaters because it was meant for that later on right so that's going to be huge so who knows how that's going to look ultimately right um, as far as this goes too like 
Thank you for bringing up the Wonder Woman point, because I think in hindsight, that was definitely Warner Media testing the waters. We're going to debut this potential blockbuster film on our streaming service. Let's see how people think about that. And like you and myself, like everyone was at the very least very curious about it, but in some cases very excited about it. And now is their green light to go, all right, we're going to go all in. Every movie we have coming out for 2021 is going to come out here and there. And that's, this is just an unfortunate circumstance business-wise, because this has to happen. Like, theaters can be upset. I understand why, because it hurts their bottom line, but, like, they're not making much money anyway. As far as studios are concerned, they can't make more movies until they release their current movies and make some money from those because they need money from these movies to produce the next ones. So, like, are they just going to be on, like, a freeze and a pause for the next two years? No, not at all. So they're going to start bringing them out, and they're going to, like, evolve how we see films and see what happens next. Like I said a few podcasts ago, I think this could be a great way to reintroduce, like, mid level budget films again because you don't want to spend $200 million on every movie that you make and you can't make that back necessarily if it's on streaming services but you can definitely go ahead and make a 30 to $50 million film which is still a lot of money of course and have it become a cult fan favorite and have everyone watch it and talk about it for two weeks straight and make that money back two three times over so like the movie theater industry is going to look very very different come five years from now because this is not just a short term thing if this fails there's going to be someone who finds a way to make it work out better down the line and if it goes well it's just going to happen on a wider scale for more and more companies theaters along the way if nothing else it just shows the coffers that that Warner Brother has and how much money has gone into HBO Max as an entity which is sort of like we have invested everything here and it needs to pay off some way or another so uh it's fascinating and it's going to be even more fascinating seeing how other streaming services uh respond to it because like you said it it's it's a power play it is it is putting the cards out on the table it's sort of like this is what we got good luck we'll see you on the other side like Everything's on black right now, and we're gonna we're gonna make it out either way. So also, can we talk about how petty it is for AMC's executives to call HBO Max a startup? Like, sir, this is not a startup at this point. Like, this has been around for a while, and also like it's already kind of a huge endeavor. Like, that's definitely the path of aggressive energy right there. But I get where he's coming from. I mean, I would be upset too if I just <laughs> lost like exclusive access to like a million dollar industry, right? Like. Like, movie theaters have had a, a hold on this. And, like, AMC in particular. Like, there was an AMC in every major city. Multiple AMCs. And, like, they they have been, like, one of the front-facing, like, theater-type places. Like, and I would, I would be understandably petty if I was in the situation, which is sort of, like, my main source of income is now being exported to a laptop. <laughs> just the circumstance <laughs> anyways uh now that we've recapped the latest endeavors in the streaming wars it's time to wrap up today's episode with our not quite patented lightning round where we do some hot fire rapid bullet point type summaries of some of the other exciting news that happened this week but we didn't want to spend a full 10-15 minutes discussing so here's what we got for you the My Hero Academia franchise is going to keep going beyond Ultra as it has been announced that a third movie will be coming out in 2021. 
the teaser image shows Deku, Bakugo, and Todoroki in new battle suits with the logline, he will meet the free musketeers. And that's all we have, but that's all I need to be exceedingly hyped about it. NBC's premier workplace comedy Superstore is closing shop after it finishes up its sixth season this year. Originally created by Justin Spitzer, the topical show set in St. Louis starred, starred America Friera and she left the show this, this season so maybe this was already in the cards type stuff. But it's still sad to see the fictional big box show come to an end. It's been a great half hour comedy that I've loved following. And this final season has been delving into the realities of being a retail worker during a pandemic, so this will be a memorable final season, if nothing else. Um, Oscar Isaac and his quote-unquote ethnic hips, which is a phrase that he has used to describe himself, has landed him the role of Solid Snake in the upcoming live-action adaptation of Hideo... Hideo Kojima's Metal Gear Solid, a movie whose existence has me asking so many questions that I have absolutely no answers to. And finally, Elliot Page, star of Juno and Umbrella Academy, started December by announcing that he is trans with a touching letter to the fans, and Netflix has already updated all of their credits and maps, so good on them, good on Elliot, living his best life out there. If you'd like to hear our thoughts on these topics or anything else in the news, feel free to tweet us at BlackNerdProblems with the hashtag TWINN. That was This Week in Nerd News. Please tune in next week for more pop culture. I am your host, Mikhail Snyder. And I am your host, Keith Ree Cleveland. And please, remember to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll catch you next time. See you, folks.